Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. Good morning. Welcome to Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I am the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am joined by my co-host, Michelle Mooney. Michelle is a licensed trauma and couples therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And we are here every Tuesday on 1150 AM radio. And you can also find us anytime at the KKNW website or just search Holding Ground wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura, and good morning to our listeners. We appreciate you. Um, just a reminder, uh, Laura, you're talking about past episodes. You can find those all on our website, anchorlighttherapy.com. We also have really good uh, written content in our blogs. And then also, if you are interested in connecting with a therapist, you can see who we might have available and schedule a complimentary consultation. So this is the second part of our uh, series on fear of abandonment versus fear of involvement, part two, um, and the final part. Uh, so to recap, in our first episode, uh, we talked about what the fear of abandonment is, what the fear of engulfment is, uh, how it presents, and where it can all come from. Uh, so today, we're first going to talk about uh, how people how people who struggle with these things try to protect themselves through some dysfunctional actions. And these things are meant to intentionally push the other person away. Sometimes can look like this self-fulfilling prophecy or, oh, I'm never gonna make it in a relationship. So then we like inadvertently do things, right? To like confirm that uh, thought we have about ourselves. But really these uh, self-sabotaging behaviors work for people who have the fear of abandonment um, and all, you know, their fear of loss of the relationship and then fear of engulfment, right? People who fear getting too close. Um, so Laura, what are some of these relationship sabotaging actions? So some of the things that someone might do unconsciously, they might not even realize that they're doing it and that they're sabotaging their relationship is, uh, first of all, they might just have really unrealistic expectations. So they might feel like somehow the relationship is is not valuable or is not serving them well um, if they don't feel amazing in it all the time. So maybe I'm in a relationship and I have feelings of anxiety coming up and I feel like, well, if the relationship was good, I certainly wouldn't have any of these feelings. Also maybe unrealistic expectations around what somebody's going to, who's in a close relationship would do for you. So maybe you expect them to answer your text one second after you send it, or or you expect them to be available to you at, at all times, or maybe you expect that they're not going to have any emotional needs and you feel overwhelmed when they do. You have unrealistic expectations in some way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, absolutely. So then with that, you might act out in certain ways. Um, and one of those things might be by intentionally starting arguments, picking, picking fights with somebody. And I would say, what do you think about this, Michelle? I don't think people go, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick a fight with my partner just for, for funsies today. I think it mm -hmm. more is you feel they feel agitated. And so they're looking for a reason to make sense of that feeling. And they, start, they might start conflict. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, you know, the truth is often we're combating the emotions that we're having in the moment. Like, I don't like this feeling, right? So I'm going to keep attacking my apart, uh, my partner uh, because of it. And yeah, so intentionally starting arguments, right, is intentionally trying to create chaos and push that person away. And yeah, nobody's like, oh, you know what? I want to have a fight today, but yeah. these things can happen. And sometimes, you know, couples, whether they have these uh, fears or not, can start arguments if, if things aren't going well. Sometimes they'll start arguments just so they're connecting on some level, right? And that, and that's, you know, of course, we don't want to get to that point. Um, or people can have this idea of like, oh, if we're arguing, at least we have passion in our relationship. So there's all these reasons why um, that people will intentionally start these arguments which of course are dysfunctional right they don't it's not actually functioning in the way that we hope it would be no it's definitely going to be sabotaging and then the, the other side of that is someone uh, might not address anything negative so they might avoid any sort of conflict they might be unwilling to express anything that they feel might be received as um being too too needy or too anything um, and they might just try to push away all negative emotion and, and for fear of losing the relationship. And what that's going to do is you're, you're creating an obstacle for your, for your partner being able to, to really know you. You're kind of putting on a facade to show up for the relationship. You're not bringing your whole self to the relationship, which sometimes people don't feel safe to be, to bring their whole, whole self to the relationship because they feel like they will be rejected. So they want to just stay on a superficial level and just keep everything super positive, which we love positive, but you know, if to really know someone, you know, all sides of them. If you feel like you have to hide yourself or hide what's going on for yourself to um, maintain a relationship, uh, you know, that we don't want to get to that place, right? You want to be in a relationship um, with somebody you feel safe with showing your authentic self to. And then that way they get to love those parts about you, right? We need to talk about emotions. I see that a lot in couples like, wow, well, well, what's the point of talking about our emotions? It's like, no, <laughs> that is the thing we need to talk about the most often um, because they inform our behaviors and narratives we tell ourselves, et cetera. So um, yeah, suppressing negative things. Oh man. I mean, it comes out at some point too. So yes, it's going to come out at some point. And, and so that's a great uh, thing to point out, Michelle, it's, you're not going to suppress it forever. And then it's going to come out in the most um, mm -hmm. like inopportune, least desirable time and place in a way that you regret versus just addressing things in real time. So, but somebody who has a lot of anxiety around relationships might, might uh, not want to address negative things. Another thing that will be sabotaging is somebody who uh, has paranoia about their relationships. So because they have a fear that something negative is going to happen, that they're going to be rejected or abandoned um, or overwhelmed by the relationship, they're constantly looking for proof that that is true. And we will find whatever we're looking for. So if we expect to be rejected, we're going to see signs of rejection everywhere, even if that really isn't the intent of the other person. So again, things that, you know, oh, you didn't invite me out with your friends. Um, that must mean that you don't love me or, you know, you didn't return my text. You clearly are having an affair. So going into very extreme stories around kind of normal behaviors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect point is that we tend to look for these 
com you know, confirmation bias. Aha, see, there is that thing, right? There is that, you know, you were five minutes late, so you must be having that affair. Um, or you change your clothes at the gym, you know, why, why are you, you know, hiding your work shirts, right? <laughs> you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff, right? Let's stick around the collar. So, you know, people, yeah, exactly. Um, people can really engage in, in these fears and then not then, the, the sabotaging part is not just having the fears, but then, right, the accusations to the partner that come along with that, right? We're not yeah. going to want to stick with that person if that's all we're hearing all the time. Exactly. And another way that people, I would see people more who are avoidant or uh, fear engulfment, they might be very critical of their partners. They might start to kind of start to look for all of the reasons why there is something wrong with them and in reality that could just be rooted in a fear of them getting too close and so that's a way to keep somebody at a distance to kind of mm -hmm. start to pick them apart and criticize them also another way to keep somebody at a distance is engaging in other unhealthy behaviors um, so maybe you're doing things that would be detrimental to the relationship using substances overworking to maybe avoid the relationship uh, maybe spying on your partner going through their phone doing things that are going to cause uh mistrust or anxiety in the relationship. What else, Michelle? Any other unhealthy behaviors you can think of that might show up when somebody's trying to push somebody away because they're afraid of intimacy? Kind of related to that uh, one you just said um, earlier about the criticism, right? Pushing uh, the partner away is also holding grudges, right? If we're holding these grudges and constantly bringing them up to our partner or, you know, uh, you know, because we have the grudge where we're going to withhold affection or whatever it might be to push that person away. So it's the same thing, right? So holding grudges is another one, um, you know, uh, well, or, you know, I wanted to go to my parents' house for Christmas, but instead we went to yours and then you latch on to that for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that one time um, and really hanging on to these things. And then, that, um, you know, we talk about in couples therapy, positive perspective, right? Well, what about all the things that go right? Keep a record of that in your mind or write it down and get to this place where you're also holding space in your brain for uh, the good stuff too. So um, this next one is, uh, something that we see often in people who do have the fear of engulfment, but also fear of abandonment that can show up is putting energy into everything else except for your relationship. So working those extra hours, right? uh, there can be spending too much time, you know, in your social circle if you're not also spreading that energy to your relationship, just kind of not nurturing it. And, you know, the first things we put in front of, um, our relationship, right? It's just gonna make us lose a relationship. So anything that goes ahead of that relationship, right? You're prioritizing that. And, you know, um, you could lose some of those things if you're not paying attention to your relationship as well. So um, things to keep in mind in terms of, you know, spreading out your energy. If you do wanna be in the relationship, spread out your time and energy and invest in it because otherwise it's gonna die. And, you know, that's why it's self-sabotaging. Yeah, and I think that this is something that comes up for people uh, either who are, well, it could be anxious too, but more avoidant of relationships, or also people who have been in longer-term relationships and they've come up against some challenges that they can't, maybe that, that are harder to work through, or life just becomes really stressful. You have kids, you have a full-time job, there's different obstacles that come in life that take a lot of energy, um, and then they're deprioritizing their relationship all the time, and like you said, you're going to get out you're going to get out of anything what you put into it. And if you have put your relationship at the bottom of the list, it's going to be hard to maintain closeness and, and intimacy. 
Oh, another thing I want to say about that real quick and, and not super applicable to the abandonment or the engulfment piece, it can be. So another one is not following our words and actions. So really letting down our partner consistently is another way that we can push them away. Um, you know, failing to, you know, show up on time or, you know, you said you were going to pick me up and you never did. And I had to take my own ride to the date or, you know, whatever it might be where we're just not making ourselves very dependable, where we might be lying um, to push the other person away. Yes. And I think these, this can happen in some little things, too, that people don't think of, you know, like it might be really significant if you didn't remember to pick me up from the airport. But I also might start feeling a lack of trust um, from somebody if they just were unreliable. Like you said, you were going to be here 20 minutes ago um, and you're consistently late for me. Or you said that you were going to make sure that the garage was clean and it and it is. And I mean, there could be small things where people if I feel like I can't rely on you, there is some kind of distance that's be, being created there, even in little the mundane things. So that's always something to kind of be aware of. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I think is creating jealousy in the relationship. So whether you're engaging in, in behaviors that are going to make your partner jealous in order to push them away, maybe bringing up ex-boyfriends or girlfriends or um, maybe flirting with people in public or things that you know are going to make them feel insecure or on the flip side accusing them of doing those things um, that they are interested in other people or exes or that their behavior is inappropriate and focusing on and becoming jealous of that but all of that is going to be toxic in relationships and make it hard to be close because you're again creating circumstances where there is some trust so what do we, what can someone do? I mean, this stuff shows up all the time in therapy, right? Michelle, we hear these things all the time from people who are struggling in their relationships. What can someone do if they identify with having these fears or knowing that they're unintentionally or even intentionally sometimes engaging in these, these behaviors? Right. And, and people who are, you know, have these fears of abandonment or engulfment, right? There's a lot that, you know, brought them to that place. So they might decide for themselves, like, well, this is just the way I am and it's never going to get better. But the truth is, is no, you can heal these old things uh, in adulthood and have successful connections with other people. So there's a few steps that folks can take. And the first one is, you know, looking at your past, thinking about the messages you receive from family or past partners or teachers that really could have made you have um, these fears. Uh, we talked in our last episode of where these things come from and actions that our parents maybe take that took that either made us feel a band, uh, fear of abandonment or fear of engulfment. Um, but, and also, you know, thinking about these messages, thinking about what were the messages you should have received about yourself and should have received about safety and relationships and successful connection, because there's pieces missing, right, that could have made things so you don't have these fears. Um, so what do you think that would look like? You know, a few examples that I can think of are um, I've had clients in the past where they saw a parent being really reliant on partners and very mm. emotionally unstable because of relationships. And so they said, wow, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to be the, I'm not going to need anyone for anything. I am, uh, you know, I'm an island. And that can send that kind of message that makes somebody fearful to really engage in a close intimate relationship because they associate kind of falling apart or not functioning well if you're if you're dependent on other people um or or the opposite could be you know that you, the message that you should be self-reliant that you shouldn't you don't want to let people too close to you because maybe 
you didn't experience closeness with your your caretakers or your parents. Um, and so maybe it even feels unfamiliar or unsafe to you. Right, exactly. So thinking about those things, looking at your past and thinking like, huh, is that all valuable information that I learned? And maybe it's not, right? So what are some new things that we can learn? Where's the truth, you know, um, versus what we were told? The other thing is, is, you know, when you do get to a place where you feel like, okay, do you want a relationship? I'm going to put myself back out there. Remembering uncertainty is, you know, there's no guarantee in life. So accepting the fact that there's going to be uncertainty, I mean, relationships, you're dealing with another human, right? And there's a lot of nuance in all of us that, you know, we can't just heal ourselves and expect things to go perfectly if we, you know, unfortunately end up with somebody who doesn't also have healthy qualities. So just kind of accepting like, yeah, I might not get it right the first time or handful of times, but there is the really, you know, a good relationship maybe waiting for me out there. And I also want to point out with that, that the process of learning how to accept that and feeling confident and secure within yourself is not easy. That if you have had a lot of relationship trauma or, or attachment wounds going back to childhood, your nervous system is going to become very dysregulated in these kinds of situations. You might experience extreme like fight or flight or freeze type responses to some of your relationship dynamics. But these are all things that you can work through in therapy, whether it's you want to address some of these things in your own individual therapy or while you're while you're in a relationship. So while while it is true that we want to get to a place of accepting uncertainty, and and that's true in everything, right? In life, life is uncertain all the way around. But if, you know, I just want to let people know that, that is not something that's not a place that people come to easily all the time. Do you, is that, do you agree with that, Michelle? Oh yeah, totally. Like the other work um, needs to be done and hopefully we get to a place where, okay, ready to get back out there if you do want to have a relationship. But yeah, a lot of work has to happen before um, we're in a place of being like, oh yeah, that was, you know, that's just life. Um, you know, we, yeah. we need to get, we have some other things to fine tune first before maybe we can uh, accept that. So Another one is expressing self-compassion. Um, so it's really getting to a place where you accept your own value because when these things can happen, we might not feel like we have much value or not maybe don't have much value in a relationship. So once you really get to know that for yourself and, and really accept your value and worth, um, then you'll know rejection or rejection won't feel as crushing if it happens again, um, because you do have, you know, there, there is these good parts of you and maybe that person just didn't see it, but um, you know, that doesn't feel as harsh anymore once we know our own value. Yeah. And I think that it doesn't negate the fact that when we're disappointed in relationship or something that doesn't go the way that we wanted it to, that it, it's, it's going to be painful no matter mm -hmm. what. Um, but that when you, when you feel more secure within yourself and you have established um, some good coping skills and you have some different ways of reframing different experiences, you don't go straight to, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. I should have known it was never work out but instead you can go hey I had this experience maybe I'm disappointed but you know I'm going to pick myself back up and move forward it's a very different a different you can engage in different ways in relationships in a more meaningful way 
Yeah, exactly. Because it's hard not to take it personally if we are, we get rejected. So, um, you know, and any summer relationship does end and we did find value in it, there's going to be a grieving process. But, you know, like you're saying, we don't have to go straight to the mindset of like, well, you know, this was all my fault. It's because I'm bad or unlovable or whatever it is. So right. we can get to that compassion piece. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of related, this tuning into your own uh, inner dialogue. So instead of, you know, accepting self-criticism, try to catch yourself in these negative self-judgments uh, that you might have. Again, these like beliefs of, you know, I'm never going to make it in a relationship or gosh, relationships are so consuming and dangerous in that way. Um, really start to tune into that and challenge it a little bit. So um, things we can do with thoughts like this or thoughts in general is, you know, Comparing uh, what is the evidence for you actually, let's say, being unlovable versus also what's the evidence against that, right? What are the things where that show you in life that you are uh, lovable? Um, is this uh, a reaction feeling or, it, you know, is it a, a fact? Uh, I'm sorry, is it like a reaction emotion kind of experience or is it a fact? right? Is it a fact that I'm unlovable? Or, you know, is this kind of like a feeling that I'm unlovable right now, but it doesn't mean it's actually uh, true. And kind of like also, is this black or white thinking? So is it all or nothing, right? Is it, well, here's another relationship that failed. I'm never going to be lovable again, or no one's ever going to accept me. So it's not one or the other. Again, humans, relationships, there's a lot of nuance. So I'm um, trying to really challenge these uh, critical thoughts if they come up. Yes, that is always a very good practice to notice what you're believing in the moment. And then when these things happen, give yourself some time. I mean, you're going to have some setbacks when it comes to if you have some challenges around and some fears around intimacy, that it's not necessarily going to be easy. It is going to be worthwhile because as humans, we want to have meaningful connections with other humans. Um, but if you have set, setbacks, if you can't do it perfectly, if you're reactive or, or run away, give yourself some grace and compassion. Right. Again, this isn't, you know, okay, I had struggles before um, and now everything's going to be perfect, right? Granting yourself that forgiveness and that it will take time and it's okay if we stumble. Um, the last one is probably know what we're going to say is <laughs> therapy. So therapy can really help us cultivate this like stable, holistic self-identity along with giving us the capacity to realistically accept um, our own strengths and our own flaws. Um, so there, and, you know, just really, where does this come from? Why am I doing this can be so valuable to know that. And then really working on getting to a place, right. Where you maybe can find love if you do want to do that. So Laura, once we do feel safe in a relationship and we, um, have done this work, uh, what are some possible improvements that we will see? What will we notice in ourselves if we did the work? So I think once you feel more secure within yourself, you you can identify what you need in a relationship. You can feel secure in in knowing that you have value and that that you can you can advocate for what you want and need in a relationship. You're going to feel less fearful around relationships because you will feel worthy of of being in relationships. And then even if you have disappointments. Um, or even if some of those those fears come up or, or those negative feelings, it doesn't 
feel like a life or death situation. There is a sense of resiliency around it. There's a sense that I can engage in relationships. There's no guarantee that they're going to be what I want them to be or that they're going to meet my needs, but it's worth taking the risk because I do want that sort of connection. And like uh, how we deal with that, uh, you know, disappointment. So, you know, avoiding going into self-sabotaging behaviors um, for ourselves. So a relationship is really uh, difficult when it ends. Um, We are in that grieving process. Hopefully when we do all this good work on ourselves, we're not immediately going to unhealthy coping mechanisms, whatever that might be. Um, So, you know, uh, just kind of our emotions are too hard. We're going to squash these or run from these or try to fight them off in an unhealthy way. We won't maybe, or hopefully lessen that urge to maybe engage in things that are not helpful coping. Yes. So what's, um, something else that we might notice after we do this work, Laura? Um, I think you might notice that you, you have, uh, better boundaries, that you know how to talk about your feelings, that you know what to, what you, what to expect in relationships so that you can have more connected, satisfying, happy relationships. You'll just feel more positive in your relationships. And you will also have realistic expectations. I think when people are, are um, traumatized or they have fears around intimacy, they, they perceive healthy relationship interactions as boring or or unsafe or insecure in some sort of way. And I think that shifts once you do some of this kind of work and you know how to have healthy boundaries in relationships and what to expect of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the last thing we are going to talk about is what you can do if you're in a relationship with somebody that you uh, that you're identifying like, do they have a fear of abandonment? What's going on? There's some self-sabotage self-sabotaging behaviors. They're really like creating all this distance, but I think they want to be with me. So what can, um, we're going to talk about next, what we can do if we're in a relationship with a person like this. So um, if you want to stick it out and they are committed to healing, right? You can support them as they're on their healing journey. You can set a boundary if you're in a relationship with somebody like this, that you you know, I really need you to kind of do some of your own work so we can get to a good place as as a couple. Um, So encouraging that growth. Um, If they're doing the work, trying to practice patience as they are healing, um, you know, just like for ourselves, for our partners, right, there can be some setbacks and um, it's perfectly normal and to be expected um, as long as they're accountable for it, right? We want to have that piece too, like, oh gosh, I did the thing again, right? I'm so sorry. I'm working on this. I promise, you know, maybe I won't have these behaviors soon. Um, you know, having that accountability for setbacks, we hopefully are seeing in this person. Um, we want to, if they're healing, right, and you know they're healing these old wounds, we want to create uh, safety and trust in the relationship um, so your partner can be more value, uh, vulnerable with you and share where some of this stuff comes from. Um, at, regardless of its childhood relationships, bullying, whatever it might be, um, you know, we want to create a really safe place for them and where they can trust um, us in the relationship. Um, we, When these things happen, let's say some sort of reactive behavior, they're triggered in some sort of way, it's very hard to do this, but try not to react or take it personally with anger. As they're, you know, they're, um, 
they might be, again, it might look like they're trying to push you away, but if they're committed to this work in you, right, they can, they can get past this. And so they're going to, again, make some missteps. Try not to take those personally or react to them. Um, and the last thing um, is try not to assume the way um, this partner likes to be loved. So for example, um, if a, your partner has a fear of engulfment and you suddenly surprise them with, we're gonna go on this vacation and I planned it all out. And you know, maybe that person doesn't want to just be swept away on a vacation. Maybe this, you know, this has happened a lot to them um, growing up, for example, that these decisions are being made in whatever context and they don't have any um, contribution, they don't have choice. So we want to make sure that we involve our partner in the end thing so they can, um, you know, have uh, again, a say, they feel like they're invited to the table to make these decisions. Um, we don't want to just make assumptions around the fact that uh, around how they might want to be loved. I think that that is all such good feedback, Michelle. Great tips. And I also want to just interject here and say sometimes people just are not in a good space to be in a relationship. So I think the really key thing that, Michelle, that you said in all of this is if they are aware of what's happening and they are committed to doing the work um, to, to improve the relationship, to work together with you to have a good relationship, if you're with someone who has a really intense fear of intimacy. And because of that, they are not able to, to show up for the relationship or to meet any of your emotional needs. It's also okay to recognize that this might not be a, a fit or, or a good time for this particular person. Right, exactly. Reflect on that. Is this the right relationship for me? Because um, you do, you have the choice to leave if you to. Yeah, I do. I have clients sometimes who will be like, well, I know there's all of these things that are happening, but this person had a really traumatic childhood and, you know, I don't want to abandon them. And I think in the mm -hmm. future, they have the potential of being a good person. And all of that could be true. And if they're not aware of what is happening or if they need to do their own personal work uh, to be able to move forward in their life and they're not ready to do that, there's nothing you as a partner are probably going to do to shift that. So it really has to be both people invested in the in the process. Yeah, because if you're sticking with somebody because, gosh, I don't want to trigger the own wounds. I mean, yes, we don't want to do that. But if you are um, managing your own behavior to manage their emotions, right, if you're changing your behavior just to make sure that they're okay, now you're abandoning yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you're not trying to abandon them, but now you're abandoning yourself. And exactly. so, yeah, so... It, and asking yourself if you are in one of these relationships and you don't want to leave, like, okay, what's going on for me, right? What's some of my right. stuff that's making me feel like, okay, I should, I should stay in a relationship that I'm not getting anything out of. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Michelle, all good stuff. I can't believe we're out of time for today. That did go fast. Um, <laughs> Hopefully no one feels now that we're ending the relationship or the episode that we are abandoning them because we will be back next week uh, with yes, some fresh content and a new episode. Yes. So please tune in next week for some more Holding Ground. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.